You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Hey, What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Haber Bit of Middlecoff show, podcast, whichever. Sometimes we call it one, sometimes we call it the other, but either way, it's us right here live on YouTube. Like and subscribe on the YouTube. We appreciate that if you're listening to the podcast. Then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that. Five stars in that. Leave us a question. That's how you get in the next Haberman Middlecoff mailbag. To use John Lynch's words, guy, I believe we are ready. Yeah, ready for what? His exact words were, we believe he is ready. I believe we are ready for today's show. Oh, for Trey Lance. That's what it was. We believe we believe he is ready. And just like quoting John, I believe we are ready for today. Yeah. Uh, Many, uh, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're listening on your own time, which is great. That's the beauty of podcasts, John. The consumer controls time. You're like, like, uh, you know, what's his name? And. Whatever. It's actually pretty genius. Like, I I see this a lot about people, you know, still writing books. Obviously, there's still a lot of people that read. Uh, I, I, If I were in the book business and I was going to write a book, I think it'd be purely audio. Like, I, 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 I do believe that, like, uh, I, I don't listen to that many evergreen podcasts, but I see why they're really successful. You know, Stevie Williams, Tiger's Old Caddy just did this one on just like all the majors. And I can listen to that in a month or I can listen to it today. It just doesn't matter. And there are several, like some of the biggest, like Serial or whatever, the big podcasts that aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily like, most sports ones are pretty newsy unless we just did an interview series with like the 94 49ers. And it was like Merton Hanks, Tim McDonald, Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters. Like you could probably listen to that whenever. But I would. It does feel like most sports ones are pretty like, you know, if you're going to listen to a one on the NBA playoffs in a couple of weeks, it doesn't matter. Who cares what they're talking about? Game four, right? Yeah, yeah. 
But I, I, I do did think you notice? Have you noticed, by the way, in how many how many mispronunciations and mistakes there are in the Belichick book audio version? There are well, several. There's a couple times where the guy like stopped reading and starts over, and they don't edit it out. And I, then he I, calls I Matt Castle that. Matt Cassell several times. Yeah, it happens with names for sure. I'm like, is nobody? I don't know, editing this, spell checking this. I don't. But know. I that, but see, that's perfect for the consumer. You just keep listening. It just keeps on going. Yeah, but there's, I mean, right and wrong is still right and wrong. Like you want it to be right. Yeah, it's what's you know? new? You know, it's 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 much easier. It'd be much more time consuming, probably, for an editor to listen to the whole thing. The editor can just look and read, look and read. Podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going to listen to this pod, and then you've been mowing the lawn for eight hours, and you forget to take notes. You zoned out. You know. Wow. That's what I'm saying. That's where I think the money is in these books, audio. And you notice when you buy a book, like on your iPad or your phone, if you want the print version, you make more money getting the audio version. Now, obviously, it's probably more time consuming. You got to spend money. You got to pay someone to read it. But that thing is a, that's the future. I actually bought some magazines the other day, put them on the couch so that when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm killing time or like, you know, I'm not really, there's nothing on, but I'm there or I'm watching some game and what, I don't know. I can instead of grabbing my phone, I grab uh, Middle East Times. Is that what you bought? Yeah, and then I, uh, something about uh, uh, Middle Eastern politics, John, and then something about how uh, something about China. I got a magazine, a lot, a lot of you're China. Just, stuff. You're just never reading that. <laughs> did you really do this? I 100 percent did this. I was at a magazine store. I'm like, God, I, I've never been in a magazine store and bought magazines. And then I bought three magazines and they were $35. You know, magazines are like nine dollars on the cheap end now. A Rolling Stone, which is what I should have bought, I think was like 15 or something. Well, you know why? Yeah, because yeah. not as many people are buying them. Well, and my complete guess would be there's way less advertising in them, right? They're being they're not being subsidized that uh, way, so they're not. There's the only a lot of advertising. I just think there's probably they're maybe getting a lower dollar amount for their advertising, and I think less people are buying them. Yeah, their business model's fucked. It's I mean, other than waiting rooms, you are probably the last guy account. under forty in a long time to go into that store and buy some magazines, especially the ones you bought. Yeah, there was a guy in there with like a child. It's like, hey, do you have any kids' magazines? Like, yeah, right here. So I don't know what to do. That kid doesn't have a phone yet, I guess, or I don't know, television or an iPad. Yeah, I guess they don't. That kid doesn't have any of those no. yet either. You, are you with me though? You think audio is the future for books, or you think like in twenty years everyone's reading? Because I, I don't know if people are going to be reading as much. Uh, How easy it is to listen. Well, it's to definitely a book. not trending that direction. So, yeah. Middle East Times Swimsuit Edition. Uh, you guys, Michael says you guys could do the rewatchables, but with big various sporting events as bonus podcast. We did that. It's. It, I don't know if it works for sporting events quite like movies. We did it for the was it the 2019 Saints Niners game? Yeah. Actually it was a cool rewatch. I just did we put film in that or how did we do that? I don't quite remember, but I just remember it didn't quite pop with the listenership. Yeah. Now, weird times. I mean, this was mid-2020. I mean, we were desperate. You had to try some different things. Yeah. uh, (laughs) We jumped on YouTube. We started there. Dan says, you may have just landed on the name, the No Notes Podcast. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, what I was going to say is you. what doesn't matter. There's no such thing as late. Everything's on time. You're in control. If you're watching the podcast, we were just arguing about the name before we got on here, having a good scream at each other about it. And um, we we may have worked some things out. You know, we're just we're just searching. We're just like uh, you know, the guys back in the uh, 
the 1840s, coming out here searching for gold, just looking to see if you can get a little glimmer in the water and grab it and then uh, take it to get a big piece of land. Uh, did you guys ever look into the old intro song price? Never. Gabriel? Peter Gabriel, Sledgehammer was the uh, was the song. But we, getting, we were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we were afraid of getting, you know, dragged into court. Yeah, we didn't want to see Peter Gabriel in uh, you know, civil court. So did you know that Major League Baseball is getting sued right now? No. By a by a guy Angel Hernandez. It's a class action suit, not Angel. It's a class action suit by some guy by a by a lawyer, typically the people that lead the class action suits, because we got nothing else to do. Who, and the reason he's suing baseball is over the Astros cheating scandal because he says that his daily fantasy, he, that, that all of the daily fantasy users were not playing a, were playing a rigged game. In 2017? Yeah. And so everybody should get their money back. That's so why the Yankees letter, this the sealed letter came out today. We're not going to dive too much into it. We got football to talk about. It's draft week, but, but they admitted to cheating, right? It's part of that case. I guess they were look. They were trying to steal signs in their film room, but they weren't communicating to the hitters the way the Astros were. Well, remember the Yankees got lawyer, They had a video, something in the outfield, right, with an iPad. Uh, of uh, the Yankees, they they weren't necessarily doing the bat thing, but right, they, right, they right. were stealing it with video, and they got caught. I, I remember that from five years ago. Uh, they had like a John Str- now Jaskrimski was the deflator, but they had uh Skarnecchia's kid. Remember, <laughs> got caught. They had a situation like that going. That's and baseball right. freaked out about iPads yeah. and yeah. and technology. Which honestly, I I wonder when you you know it's tough. You know, you're like, well, you know, people been stealing signs forever, but there's a big difference of like using your fucking binoculars or whatever and using an iPad where it all gets recorded. Right. Where you can, uh, to me, part of it is like with digital tech, with technology, you can slow it down. And now it's a little less gamesmanship. Well, remember what the Patriots would do? They would have it all. And then they would, whenever a guy would get cut from another team that they needed, they would bring that guy in at minimum just for a day. And they would, they, he would be like, Oh, where's my meeting room? He's like, actually, you just go into Ernie Adams office. They take him to Ernie Adams office. He'd press start and they would just go play by play. And the guy would give him the shit. Right. And Ernie would be like, all right, this is what we have. Is this accurate? Or does this mean something else? (laughs) They were uh, ahead of the curve. I'll tell you that much. Did you guys change the name? Ham is a good handle. We have not changed the name. Somebody said delay of game. Somebody said delay of lame. I did think Schwarber's explosion would have been Sunday night was pretty special. Was pretty special. So uh, my problem, not my problem with it. It was pretty, it was great. It's what baseball needs. It's why you don't totally want robo umps because you want some of the emotions still in the game. The stuff that we lost when uh, guys used to argue. I didn't, everyone was just, I did not watch. All I saw that game was that clip. So everyone said Angel Hernandez was terrible that day, which I believe. That particular pitch was fucking close as shit. I'm sure Angel was worse on other pitches. I had had multiple people tweet at me that said, like, I've watched this entire game. He has been the focal point of the game. So I think it was a lead up to just his constant just. I mean, he's he's one of the most. I mean, this is part of America. And maybe this happens in other countries too, where he's unfireable. You know, it's just you get to these positions where, and he was genius. He sued. So now he's really untouchable by the union and he's terrible. Like everyone acknowledges it, right? He's just, he's really, really consistently been bad. I forgot when Terry Francona went at it with him 
years ago. Uh, Bob Melvin went at it with him years ago. I remember. I think did Bochi freak at him? Uh, I remember Bochi attacked like a third base uh, umpire one time at the Dodgers. Was an all time toss. Not, I don't know if it was him, but I just I just kind of like Kyle Schwarber. I, I'm just glad that he freaked out. I love Schwarber. I remember once upon a time in radio, our producer saying to us, I got this guy, he's, he's one of the early draft picks from Indiana. We could go interview him while we're down here, Chris Ball. So we go interview He's going to be good, man. And, we're, and you and I were like, we don't want to do that. <laughs> it, was like, it was Kyle Schwarber. Did we do that? Uh, we did not go interview him, no. No, I'm saying that. I don't remember. It was him. I, I Yeah, I think it was one of those where we were like, yeah, if you can get him, we'll go down and talk to him. I don't know how he somehow was going to be able to schedule him. Um, I was. What Did you watch any of the uh, Nets-Celtics game four? Yeah, I did. The Nets, did you hear about this? No. They got swept. Oh, yeah. I, I watched. No, I said, I, yeah, no, I, I'm, I kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Everyone's heard about it. What was what was the, uh, like the hot girl who smokes a cigarette? Yeah, Kendrick Perkins, who I think mainly has been wrong on everything he's ever said, had one of the funniest lines on television I've ever seen. He said, Ben Simmons is a single girl who's gorgeous, and no one knows why she's single, and then you realize she's a cigarette smoker, and it's like Red Parliaments or something, whatever, this, like the grossest like cigarettes. shorties or something. Yeah, you know, and it's oh, it was just, so good. I thought it was so good. Today, I, I was at the gym. Part so of what that, made it good was the other two people on the screen going like, like acting like it was an inappropriate. Uh, well, I, I think Ste- I think Stephen A has just been in his element now for like three or four straight days, like it just in his prime. Today, first take is on at the gym television, but I can't hear anything, but I can see him. I, today he actually is going calm because a lot of people are firing back at him. So they put Jamie Fox has a quote up there, you know. So it's the, the the elites now who are coming to Ben Simmons' defense are coming after Stephen A. Smith. So they basically the show today was him responding to a lot of Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox, and his his response was, or I mean, Jamie Fox take was like, you know, a lot of it is racially based. Think they're going at him unfairly. You would never do this to Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. And then Stephen A. loses his shit again. Like, yeah, never go at Aaron Rodgers. Like, what what are we talking about, guys? Like, Ben Simmons brought this upon himself. Uh, it's incredible. I don't know how you could defend Ben Simmons at this point in time. And then the big thing is like pay to play. Stephen A, like they're going to have like this lockout in a year, potentially in the NBA. Like if you're going to get paid moving forward, unless you have an unexcused absence, like a legitimate injury, you can't just say, I'm not playing today and receive your money. And then people are like, how's that unfair? It's like, isn't that the way the world, they are literally getting paid to play basketball. The, you know? the number of people on Ben Simmons side is very small. And it's only people that speak publicly. And have connections to the league. Nobody privately is defending Benson. It ha- it has cool. diminished great. Like I, I think this playoffs, it's jumped the shark. Where every like even if people are like, yeah, this guy might be going through some weird shit. Like there ain't nobody besides like a Jamie Fox that are like leave this guy alone. Or Jamie just knows the guy probably. I mean, one hundred percent, he's friends with Maverick Carter. He's been on the shop. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not anything that he believes strongly in. No. Alex, thank you. I consider myself a ham OG. John, high level guy, middle cough is absolutely made for this business. Business Habercoff is next level potting studs. I mean, Habercoff is OG. Uh, Kawakami said it the other day. That's way back. War Daddy's podcast. How about um? I just saw one that I didn't hate. I wrote it down. High motor. I mean, a little racial, honestly, but I'm offended personally as a white guy that you just call you just think we're high motor that we're not talented. And I'll but, be honest, I was never high motor at anything I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on the field, on the court. Thank you, Alibi or Alibi. I'm not positive, but if that's your real name, I actually like that. If it's like Alibi Wiley. That is a pretty sweet name. What was just, our producer's just, name? Rolls. Right before uh, I got us shit canned. 
Daniel Ogden? No. Oh, no. Albie. I saw Albie, Albie the other day. Albie. You did? Where'd you see him? Warrior, at the Warrior game. What's he doing? He was hanging out. Who's he? Is he who's he work for the radio station still? No, no. It's just pri- private private uh, business. Oh. Oh, he's just there to watch the game? Just there to watch the game. Some friends. Yeah, must be doing well. He can afford those tickets, guy. Uh, see, somebody see ga- somebody gave things? him some good tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you have um, good seats? Sorry? You, when you call the game on 95.7, the game, did you have good seats? <laughs> Guy Haberman called the Warriors game on 95.7, the game, with KNBR's biggest employee. What a moment. <laughs> Speaking of cool guys, man. Oh, you know. Tolbert, yeah, Tolbert, sat down. Tolbert, hey, what's up, man? How's Middlecoff doing? How's the podcast? Where, where, guy, where, where they put you? Pretty, you know, they're taking away sweet. Top of the state, first right? level, basically. So would that be a good seat if you were just there? Yeah, it'd be a good seat if you were there. Yeah. You called games closer, I'm sure. Yeah, from the floor. <laughs> What'd you call game at Oracle? Uh, I never level two, right? Yeah, but no, Oracle, I did Oracle from the floor. I didn't do a Warrior game at Oracle, though. I did a G League Warrior game at Oracle. Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz Warriors. Uh, Brooklyn, we were elevated when I did the game at Brooklyn. Cleveland is like just this little, this little cutout that they hang that like hangs off the front level of the top of the middle deck and hangs over the crowd below. It's actually kind of incredible. Is that arena pretty sweet? I will never forget the volume of classic rock music on the concourse in Cleveland. Two, th- three things I will never forget: the volume of classic rock on the concourse. Richard Jefferson dunking on Draymond and how bananas the place went. This was Christmas Day 2016. You're saying like the volume is just extraordinarily just loud. The music is, and I like loud music, but holy shit. Yeah. And I remember one of my favorite, Draymond got called for a foul, ran all the way to the other end of the floor. Okay, it's, this is like 2016. This is Cleveland the Warriors. This is fucking sick. And... The place wanted blood. Like they wanted him kicked out of the game so bad. It was just he's a polarizing individual. It was incredible. Alex Medina in love with Milkoff. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Alex. Uh, it was incredible. Anyway, um, I was gonna what I was gonna say about the net. We got to get to business here. What I was gonna say about the Nets game last night was I don't know if you saw the foul on on KD when Marcus Smart was on his back. Last five minutes of the game. It was before Jason Tatum got eject got fouled out with a yeah. bad call but marcus smart was all over kd kd creates a little sma- space smart goes back and everyone's killing the official for it it was a bad call they reviewed it i still thought it was a bad it was a foul on kevin is what they called i think part of the problem with basketball is that part of the game is played to deceive the officials that's part of the game just like baseball where such a big part of the game is oh the catcher how he frames it fucking it's about deceiving the official. Like you're not playing the game. You're playing to deceive the referee or the official. No, I mean, and they're good at it. It's easier to deceive them than it is for them to check the deception because it happened so fast. It looked like Marcus Smart got elbowed in the head. Reality was he just he was laying on Kevin, got bumped back. Then Kevin's elbow came through and live. It looked like he elbowed him. That's not what happened. Would you say football, the three major sports, is the le- least deceitful just because you're trying to get open or trying to get to the quarterback? You don't have time to fuck around. <laughs> yeah. Now, you do maybe if the ball's over. Grab a little. Yeah, ball. Yeah. But if you have a chance to make a play on the ball or fake an interference, you try to make a play on the ball. 
Yeah. Now, if the ball's gone and you fall, whatever, and there's sometimes the holding the shit, right, where guys are just always flailing around. But it's after it's when they're behind the play. It's not I couldn't make the play and instead I pretend I'm getting held. I, I've become a little confused whether the NBA replay actually kind of figured it out. Because when the guys are doing this and the, the player's doing this and then the coach does this, they can overturn a real foul call. Like they can go, that was a foul or that wasn't a foul. You know how Belichick always wanted like every flag should be reviewable? Yeah. yeah. It feels like in the NBA, every foul call, regardless whether it's out of bounds, touching, foul, like is reviewable. Now you only get a finite, I think there's only a couple of them, but I do kind of like that. Well, yeah, I, the one thing I was like out of bounds plays late. That in the one's game. stupid. The one where it hit the back of the hand, it goes off his finger. That's yeah. a little unfair. Yeah. But just a basic foul, like some stuff that's not a foul. It's like, totally. I did not foul him. Yep. 100%. Now Draymond like screams about seven times a game that he didn't foul him. Well, Draymond poked him in the eye the other night and everyone was arguing about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, I, I saw Aaron Gordon's got stabbed with an index. So, finger. Sometimes you do get poked in the eye playing hoops. Yeah, but that's right. a foul. I mean, it's a, I'm swinging it's a foul. the ball. It's a foul, yeah. Anyway. there are. Uh, I would say the DBs and wide receivers would be the group that are the closest to NBA players, and they would be deceived at, on individual instances, but for the most part, they just play. Maybe you get coached up like, you know, the uh, a press corner, even though they don't really exist anymore, like where to put your hands on the inside so they don't see, but that's just, you know, it's no different in baseball or basketball, like how, where to put your glove on certain things. It's just basic coaching point. Uh, quarterbacks sometimes flop, I guess. Quarterbacks flop, you know, alignment sometimes, I guess, act like they're getting, but even that, like you're either getting held or you're not. By D lineman, I guess. Cameron on the stream asked, Ham, what if we all get blindsided by a Jimmy trade on Thursday night? Since it's been so quiet with Jimmy the last week and a half, are we three days away from a Jimmy Garoppolo trade on draft night? What was Jimmy doing the rounds the other day for? In his Travis Matthews, but doing like his special rounds. Like he wasn't like going on everyone. Like to me, he did shine. But other than that, it was like random stuff. He really wanted to do. And I guess I heard someone say like, I saw a clip that I know we're not supposed to ask you about this. So clearly they had like prerequisites, which I'm sure why like he didn't do Dan Patrick or sure as hell wouldn't do us. Like, you are not allowed to ask me anything about the trade. Well, Jimmy, what the fuck do you think I want to ask you about? Was it related to the thing? Remember last year or two years ago, he did something with his dad, like his dad's an electrician, and they did something. Remember, I, I remember think, one year he did it, and it was like with his dad, and it didn't uh, quite it was, make it was with someone else, but, but I don't think dad. the guy's last name was Garoppolo. Oh. It was like some other name, but I, I think just remember him a couple years ago doing something. It's like, why is he making the rounds? And it was like his dad, it's like, I don't even know what electrician's day or something like that. Cause one of the questions, the guy asked him, he's like, I know I'm not supposed to ask you about the trade, but what if you're in the package deal? With well, I'm Evo? just here to talk about, uh, you know, union five, seven Oh seven, the, uh, the workers, the electricians of New York city are fine people. Yeah. yeah or know. make sure you get your $130 Travis Matthews collared shirt. God, do I look good in them? That's so, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't I, think it would be, if Jimmy is traded, it would be shocking just because it finally happened, but I don't think it's actually a shocking moment. Like whenever it is constituted, consummated, right? consummated comes to fruition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it's possible that it would happen. Somebody uh, suggested it would be a day two trade, but could happen on Saturday. It feels like there's some player trade sometimes on Saturday. Once you miss out like one, two, three, like your first three rounds. Cause you're not, when you draft someone in the fifth, 
you don't actually think that much of that person. You're like, yeah, we got to draft somebody. <laughs> like you, you miss out on players in the first or second round. Like those players you view as starters. So once you get to the Saturday, which is an all day deal, you're kind of thinking about your team as much as you are these random guys that like I draft someone in the fifth round. I mean, reality, you're kind of keeping your fingers crossed. That guy makes the team as much as like I draft a guy in the second round. Like I'm viewing this guy's going to play for me immediately. He might not depending on my team start, but like that guy's dressing on game day, unless he's Aaron Banks, I guess. <laughs> Only the Niners can draft a guard in the second round. The guy can't even dress to like November. But you know what I mean? So that's why I think you start doing some like, well, we don't have a quarterback. And even if I draft a quarterback in the fifth round, I, that guy might be a practice squatter for the next three years, right? Because if I draft Kenny Pickett, like I, I might not, if I'm the Panthers, I know they don't have a second-round pick, but somehow I trade a former – I get Kenny Pickett on my team on the second day. Maybe I go, well, him and Sam Darnold, I'm good, right? But there's no one – in the, like if I took Carson Strong, the Nevada quarterback, who I heard has a really bad knee, hmm. like you know the whatever the medicals are, but has mm-hmm. a huge arm. But if I take that guy in the fifth round, I don't view that guy like, well, worst case scenario, Carson Strong is not going to play for me or I'm in major trouble. Like for a year or just forever? Well, I'm just, I, I just think you don't view much like a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks of being like concrete positions for you for that upcoming team. Now, they might turn in, I mean, every single year, a fifth rounder starts, sixth rounder starts, seventh rounder starts. But the day of the draft on Saturday, you don't pencil that guy in, right? He's got to prove himself over OTAs and training camp and preseason right. games. Right. Like that guy ultimately is going to take a lot of preseason game reps, right? And that's maybe where he like, damn, we got something here. But you got you you don't like there's no we got something here with the first or second rounder. There's like this guy's better be good, right? Find the owners like, I hope you guys know what you're doing here." <laughs> right. Yeah. Um do you think, I mean, if you're a team and you could, you settle the draft, now the trade, the picks that you're trading. I mean, honestly, if I was trading a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd rather trade one in this year's draft than next year's. You know what I mean? That's the one thing is like, I'd rather, if I, let's say I'm trading a fifth. I'd rather trade him one, trade one in this year's draft that's viewed as a draft that has less, less depth to it. Because it's not like, it's not just that this draft is viewed without the blue chippers in the top 10 that other drafts have. It's also viewed as a draft with less depth. Now, who knows? There's somebody in the fifth round or fourth round. There's going to be a good player that emerges, but I don't want to be next year. I've gotten my one year of duty out of Jimmy and now I'm ready to move on to my next quarterback. And I still haven't, they still, the pick that I traded for him still hasn't been used. You know, what's crossed my mind and I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but I'm just being a human being. Wasn't this draft have a lot of COVID seniors, so guys that just stayed to play more? In theory, shouldn't it be way deeper? Or could we be hitting a point where, you know, forever it's like, less kids are playing college, less kids are playing high school football, less kids are playing high school football. And now we saw this draft, which based on the reality of like older guys stayed to play, got better, got stronger, yet this draft is viewed as the worst draft like ever on paper. Are, are we sure that like is all of a sudden next year it's just uh, we know they got some star players at the top but a huge reason like you said people are laughing like the fifth sixth seventh rounders if that's a trend these next couple of years that's a big picture trend for the league which makes me a little nervous i heard daniel jeremiah say that that that, that people are surprised like people like he, or he was just like i thought with all these COVID seniors this would be a better draft my counterpoint would be 
like what makes a good college football team is not necessarily what makes a good NFL player, right? Like a fourth year or fifth year senior is great if you're a college football team. It's not necessarily your best players still leave after three years, COVID or no COVID, right? True, because most, most drafts are full of juniors in the first, probably the first 50 picks. Right? Drake London still left after three years. Kayvon Thibodeau still left after three years. Like, you know, those guys are good. Sting, Stingley, three years. Yeah, like those guys are top 50. Like, is Kayvon Thibodeau a top 15 pick in a normal draft? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's what he's going to be. So I, it's a, yeah, it's a good point. I just, my, my, my only yeah. thought listening to you say that is the one counter. I'm talking less about the, the early guys. Cause those guys, like you say, like Jordan Davis is getting drafted in the first round in a great drafter in this draft, right? <laughs> He's three fifty. He runs a four, eight. He played at Georgia. Like the, the, those guys, we can nitpick. Like, I think we speak about those guys. They're just unknown. You just like to know in the top 30, like this guy's going to be a player. But I get more nervous when I hear like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Like usually they just loaded with guys you feel pretty good about taking. There's a yeah. lot of hufungas. Like are they yeah. just less hufungas? Yeah. Like I, moving I, I don't like some people in the chat are saying there's more depth in the down the line in this draft. Maybe it'll turn out to be the case. That is not. There are many people that don't think that. That do not think this is a very deep draft. Well, that think fifth rounders are not are are like you like you like one thing. DJ's point was. What I would do in this draft is I would trade a fourth rounder this year for a fifth rounder next year. I would trade a fifth rounder this year for a sixth rounder next year when I think the draft's going to be better. And I think he's a good example of someone who has been watching draft class now for almost two decades. So he can put like a lot of perspective and context on it, right? Like the more you do drafts, the more when I was young, I had a hard time when they'd be like, this guy reminds me of. So and so from '96. I'm like, it's 2011. <laughs> like, what? I was, you know, I was asking my mom to take me to the park. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, Steve Young, uh, Jerry Rice, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Rodney Harrison. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's just when guys like that say, it, like, DJ now has been in the business as a college scout and doing what he does now, which is what no, really no difference. He just doesn't work for a team for basically 20 years. So when he says that, like he's saying it from his own views and talking to other people. And that's where it's just, you know, the the, the Rachel Nichols and everyone that wanted Roger Goodell fired like seven years ago. I remember whenever it was coming out of his head and I wanted football then. Well, then football survived and it boomed. But there was also like, you know, moms don't love their kid playing football. And I always like, I hope that's not true. But. I wonder if that's going to start coming to fruition. Just something to keep in, just something to keep in the back of our minds moving forward. Because if we hear this like two straight drafts, uh, that would start making me nervous, guy. Yeah. You start going 18 games. Like you need some of those. Uh, we start getting a shittier product. Again, not trying to be negative, Nancy. This is a big picture thing. We we got a good group in the league right now to carry us, but you, you got to have fresh bodies keep coming in. But but I, I would also say this, like what we think of a draft going into a draft is not does not define the draft, right? No. Like I heard you are uh, as good as your star power though, right? For sure, but God, yeah, I mean, it's better for the draft night to have a bunch of stars in on draft night. But I'm just talking about like the depth of the draft, right? Every year it's the same. There's only 18 first round guys. Well, there's 32 picks, so no, there's 32 first round guys. Now maybe there's only 18 guys worthy of a top 18 pick, but somebody's going to get drafted in the second round that in 3 years could have been a first rounder. So everyone says there's only 18 first-round guys. Well, somebody's going in the second round that's going to prove that they should have been a top-10 pick. Happens almost every year. So the, you're the, missing some of them. The, and the other thing is is that for every Kayvon, right, and I, I'd say Kayvon 
there's going to be Kayvons every year. Elite recruits that go on to have really good careers that get drafted in the first round. Like, that's never going to end. But a lot of guys get drafted. I think George Kittle's a good example of this. That are at Power 5 programs that are viewed as mid-round picks and who get better as they get. They're better pros than they were college players. Like, I think George Kittle's a great example. He is a better pro than he was a college player. I'd say Richard Sherman falls under that. But the Niners, for example, have like Daniel Brunskill. He clearly could not make it, had to go a different route, and he's going to – with Daniel Brunskill's 38, he's like, yeah, I played in the league for nine years. <laughs> but it took me three years to get there. So it just – there's a lot of different roads to get there. Watching the USFL, I bet it's going to help some of those guys playing more because maybe the development now is just – people have always slowly not, – not everyone's, I guess, been on the same trajectory, right? There are some guys – Nick Bosa, the Bosa brothers, the Zeeks and the – you name the elite guy, just hit the ground running. Well, there are some guys that don't start until their third year and then go on to have a 12-year career as a starter. Right? Lakeland Tomlinson. And some guys that are first-round picks, they're like, this guy sucks. Then all of a sudden, he's sweet, getting $30 million. So it's just, it's like society, right? Not everyone matures at the same level. I'm always stunned by these super-focused, high-level, like, 19-year-olds. Like, I was not like that at all. You know, like, but but some guys get that when they're 28. Some guys now in football, you're you don't have like there is a time period you got to figure it out by. But I think we've seen over and over that maybe some guys just do better once they're able to just focus on it, eat the right foods. They just personally mature, right? Your six round pick, you're like, God, I I was just playing at Florida State with all some of these guys who won the first round. I'm just as good as them, but I never got my opportunity. Maybe there's a coaching change, a scheme change. There are just probably more than way more than basketball. There are a lot of variables in football. And I think college is not that much different than the pros in terms of ton of college coaching turnover, ton of, you know, just individual position coaching turnover, right? That impacts you. So the guy that recruited me, ton of just guys going long ways to school, just a lot going on for young kids. Yeah. And some people would argue it's only going to get harder. You could also argue it's going to get easier. I think somebody on the chat a few weeks ago suggested that that NIL and portal and all that. Now you've got more X factors that you could evaluate that somebody has already had to experience. They maybe already gotten money. Maybe they've transferred twice, right? Maybe they've had some experiences that really give you a better idea of how they handle success and attention and all of that stuff than you would have in, you know, other drafts. Now maybe it gets harder because they're not in one place. So you can't talk to one coach about them. Each coach you talk to only coached them for eight months. So it's hard to know. But, um, well, for example, next year when the group of like, let's just use the top three guys, just in terms of fame right now, it, it could eat, it changes, right? But Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and CJ Stroud, especially the two quarterbacks, but I'd say Will Anderson's probably getting some, making some cash. Uh, be like, how are these guys going to handle fame and fortune? Right. Be like, well, Bryce Young made a million dollars two years ago. CJ's already banked two. Will Anderson has about seven different uh, NIL deals. He's doing just fine, and he handled it perfectly. Or Caleb Williams got $8 million from USC, and, you know, the teammates started not liking him. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but, you know, like that's going to happen to some of these guys. But if I'd say so far, that is one story. Now, maybe we're so new that has not come out. Like, this guy did not handle the money well. But that's kind of feels inevitable, right? <laughs> It's I yeah I think there's going to be more information for for teams. 
What year are we in? Is this was that last year the first year of NIL? Yeah, well, we've we've just did one. Ca- uh, actually, oh. I don't. We're not even to one calendar year yet. I think it was June one or July one of last year. So it's really hard to have like concrete. Like this guy did not handle his seven hundred thousand dollars well. He blew it on uh, chicken nuggets and. Shoes. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that hard to know. Like, oh, this year's draft class. Yeah, this year. Yeah, I'm just or saying. Kayvon, like it's part of the conversation with Kayvon. Have you seen like how much do you think Kayvon got? Does anyone know? No, but I, I mean, I would guess he made between half a million. Yeah, something like that. Maybe a little more. He had a deal with United Airlines and, you yeah. know, I'm sure Nike was able to move him some cash or something. Sold an NFT. I don't know. You know, so. Um, All right. You want to dive into a few things? Yeah. You know, Fresno State plays USC this year. I know. We too. Jake Hayner gets a shot, baby. I actually, when I went to grab my couple of beers and the USC game was on, I saw RG3 and then they threw up the schedule. And I thought like, well, we had talked before. I think Tedford, it's going to be somewhat of a tough game for Lincoln. He's going to have a lot of new pieces. But they start, rel- like that schedule, is, is it Fresno State, then Stanford? Do they? I know they open with Rice. Yep, you're right so far. So they go Rice, Fresno State, Stanford. So the Rice, they should kick ass, but that's – I know Stanford's been down, but that's just tough little start. Notre Dame. So really the Notre, Notre Dame. U- USC really, in theory, just gets one true cake game, right, in Rice. Yep. Now, there are going to be some bad teams in the Pac-12 on, you know, on their schedule that aren't playing well, but Fresno's – Fresno and Notre Dame, that's a tough little non-conference for old Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And Stanford right away, and uh, oh, they don't play Oregon. That would be one thing in their face. They don't. They don't? Nope. Not to the Pac-12 title game. Dan Lanning, Utah. Oregon play Utah. Oregon does play Utah. Where's that game? So you rotate the non-divisional opponents. You play four yes. of the six every year. Is that how it works? Yeah, like every two years. Um, Oregon plays Utah at the end of the year in Eugene. Who Oregon played Michigan State this year? Or mm, no? Who's their sweet? Like they have a sweet like Ohio State, Michigan State. Oh, uh, yeah, Georgia. Yeah. What is that? Week one, Georgia. Week one. Fuck. In Atlanta. Uh, Washington State plays at Wisconsin. That's a good one. That is pretty good. I saw a little of their quarterback the other day, Wazoo. Looks a little... Where did the guy, the gunslinger from the coach that got fired go? Arizona. Jaden Delora. So uh, Arizona might be decent. Don't sleep on Jed Howie Roseman's uh, college roommate. Jed Fish. John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about our friends at ButcherBox.com slash ham, where right now you get high, 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 high quality beef, and you get free ground beef for life for the life of your membership at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Yeah, ButcherBox.com slash ham. It's easy, guy. You just go, you sign up, you get subscription, and they send you meat. Eight to 14 pounds. Eight to 14 pounds, guy can feed up to 24 people. I mean, in this day and age, who even has a home of 24? So if you got a home of like two or three, you're feeding those people for a while. Meat, proteins, it's just I we've gotten ground, you know, ground beef obviously it comes free, but the steaks, 
the the free range chicken. They got seafood options. They'll either pick it for you or you can individually select your box. Very, very God, that meat looks good. I'm hungry. Butcherbox.com slash ham. Butcherbox.com slash ham. They source their meat from partners with the highest standards for quality. No more searching the grocery store for the good stuff. The free range organic chicken, the wild caught seafood, the hundred percent grass fed beef. It's all right there. Packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience. You can save time. You can customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Either way, you get exactly what you want. Your chance to never have to shop for ground beef again. ButcherBox giving new members free ground beef for life. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham for those two pounds of free ground beef in every order for the life of your membership. Log on to butcherbox.com slash ham to claim this deal. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon chicken breast or steak tips in every order for free sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get 20 dollars off your first order What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. 
I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Uh, all right, first thing up, or next thing up, Tim Kawakami, who you said you heard TK say something a couple of weeks ago that hinted that he might have had an early line on Debo Samuel discontent. But part of what he wrote in The Athletic after John Lynch's press conference on Monday is I think Debo is closer now to getting his trade wish than he was last week, largely because of the raw discomfort that he's causing. And we've talked about this in the sense that if he really wants to get traded, he's got to go all the way and he's got to make it really uncomfortable. He has to convince the 49ers that trying to keep him is more painful than trading him, which is hard because trading him would be very painful. Well, he made his general manager really uncomfortable. You could see it. I mean, it's what doesn't take a John Lynch body language expert to figure out that he was not. He really had to be careful what he said, but he did not like the situation at all. And in, deep down, if you've watched John long enough, he was fucking pissed off. But he understands 2022, he had to fake it. Well, I would say this. <laughs> John Lynch is actually much more easygoing and happy than his younger counter and co-worker and technical boss, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Maybe Kyle avoided this because John really struggles at lying. And yesterday, he basically didn't. He just told everyone, I can't talk about this. So please do not ask me. And then he fidgeted around. And he, it almost felt like they were breaking him down because he would like say a little, but then he'd be like, no, we can't. I got to stop. Well, what do you think the skinny guy with a beard whose last name is Shanahan thinks? Because if, if that was John uncomfortable, what do you think, old Kyle? You think he's happy? <laughs> I think, think he'd probably have a harder time hiding his emotions. Yes. You think he might have thrown a soda bottle at like Beaterman or something? And he just, I, I wonder if the discomfort that John showed, Kyle's anger behind the scenes could be pretty high. That are you fucking serious? That I have to deal with. Now you're lucky that when a player demands a trade, he has a lot of value. So you're dealing, you're asking teams for 10 and 35 and next year's two, or you're asking for a boatload, right? Like ultimately when you decided, or you realize like Devonte Adams, Tyree kill, like the best thing those teams had going for him is their value was massive, right? Even Jamal Adams, Jalen Ramsey, like you do get a lot back. Like, ideally you don't want to trade good players, but when you do, like you trade shitty play, like the Detroit Lions traded Lake and Tomlinson for a seventh round pick. And then the guy became a star guard for the Niners. Like that's not good business. At least Debo, if you are going to be forced into this, which I don't think the Niners will get forced into this, but I could see, I don't know the right, how to describe their stubborn, their, their anger combined with the situation of avoiding just the, I, I we just want to focus on Trey and getting back to the playoffs. And I can't beg Debo Samuel to either take the offer, pretend to like Santa Clara. Like, you know, I, I don't know what to say to him. I, I've exhausted all my options that it is an easy transition. If you feel we all understand that it's impossible to get value, right? Because you're trading an elite player who's in the league. I don't care if they ultimately hit the picks, there's going to be some luck involved, right? The, the jets or the Texans or whoever would get Debo would immediately win because they have Debo Samuel. Now, if you end up hitting on whoever you draft with a couple picks, it's incredible because those guys immediately resort back to Debo's pay scale. <laughs> and if they're good, you're in great shape, right? But that's that's a complete unknown, which I think also causes a lot of stress, right? Like, I don't want to have to draft 
Debo's replacement. <laughs> because, yeah, I could love whoever. Like, it took Brandon Ayuk a little time. Like, so I could love Garrett Wilson, and we know we could end up getting him a 10. But what if it turns out I was a little wrong? Jimmy Johnson was wrong. Bill Barcells has been wrong. Andy Reid, like, I, I wouldn't be the first or be the last. So I, I can imagine the stress, which then the stress turns into anger because I shouldn't be stressed over this, right? Yeah. 80% of Debo Samuel might not be enough for you to go back to the NFC Championship game. You might need 100% of Debo Samuel, right? That's what it took last year was 100%. Was this guy's absolute best to get you to the NFC Championship game? So that's part of it is can you take half, can you take three quarters of the production and backfill it somewhere else and then use that money elsewhere? Well, at this point, this year at least, you're not really using that money elsewhere, really. There's no one but else to get. There's, no one, there's nothing else to do. And I do think it's probably hard to unemotionally take a step back and realize if we wait this thing out, my opinion, this is me talking, I think it's pretty likely that he has to show up based on, you know, of his $6 million that he's made, $4 million of it came in year one. So that means that he's made a million dollars, give or take. I think year two was actually eight hundred or $900,000, and then year three was a little higher. But because of the way the rookie contract is structured, that bonus, $4 million of it is right away. Yeah. So that means that he's made gross a million bucks each of the last two years, which we figure, I don't know how much of it's end up in his pocket, half that. So if you're and the Niners, you recognize that four, even that $4 million, the moment you signed that signing bonus in California, sure. you know, was he see 2.1? So uh, you, uh, to me, there is the real scenario where you start going to OTAs and now we're getting closer to the season and it's a lot harder for him to not show up. But do you want to play that game with a guy that doesn't want to be there? Do you want to force one of your most important players to show up if he doesn't want to be there. What are you really getting? And his tact is a smart one. Anybody that has siblings like you do or I do know that there is a way to play the game where you poke and poke and poke and poke and poke and poke and poke. And eventually you can get them to snap, especially we're both older siblings. I know for me, you can just poke and poke and poke and you can get away with it. And mom doesn't exactly isn't paying attention. You're not making noise and you just know how to bug them and 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 bug them until they snap and they do something dumb. Right. And it's your sibling that gets in trouble because they're screaming and yelling in the grocery store. They're throwing something at you. It's just it's it's in your nature. And it's you know, it wouldn't be what I would want to do if I were in Debo's seat necessarily. But there is a way sometimes to get somebody to give up their leverage, and that is to make it miserable for them to play the game. And I'm with you. I think it's probably miserable right now for Kyle Shanahan to have to even think about this. He's trying well, to get Trey Lance ready. Well, remember, like now they this was self-inflicted last year, but they had somewhat of a zoo with the Trey. You know, for you know, this is not Philly. This is not New York. This is not you know Boston. But for for 49er standards, like last year was pretty intense. The Trey Lance Jimmy thing again. They created that. I think you can live with like they created that for the right reasons. We had to try to upgrade our quarterback, but he wasn't quite ready. We stuck with Jimmy, and remember, it was not an easy start. Pretty sure they were three and five. Now it, I don't think it was just because of that, but there was just a lot going on. I think you want to avoid, and, and Belichick is king of this, right? Anything that's out of our control, like we can't have it. I watched like most people follow Debo on Instagram. I love his energy. Like he, I like his vibe, and I, I think the Niners love his vibe. He doesn't like, seem angry, angry when you look at photos or videos of him right now. No, right? his 
I, I, he is he's a positive multiplier, and which is very very important. I, I think you can avoid it in a lot of businesses, right? It's like just you sell, I sell. What I think it's very very difficult in pro sports <laughs> when you're just a team, you're around each other all the time. I would imagine as a football team, probably you're just around each other more than 99% of industries. Think how much time you're just sitting with each other, especially like the offensive guys with the offensive guys, the defensive guys with the defensive guys. You're just for six straight months, basically every day. I mean, just nonstop. Like it's hard to hide good guys and bad guys. It's mm-hmm. why ultimately once the draft's right around the corner, you try to avoid shitheads and bad guys. And it's a hard balance. Like sometimes you take – chances on guys but then you realize right away like i just don't want this guy's energy around i'm jim washburn once said it's always easy for you guys up here in the front office to be like this guy can play but he's a questionable handle a questionable personality and then i gotta handle him like once this once football starts and you guys just get on the next crew of guys why we pay you coach (laughs) it's why you make all the money and you know we're not making as much but he was right and i'm not debo doesn't fall into that category at all but We've all been in situations, well, maybe not all of us, if you're listening to this, but you and I have been in situations where you're not happy with your work situation for whatever reason. I've actually been there twice. I I was like that in Philly. I remember, I can relate in the sense, I remember being really homesick. We were losing. It's like this profession, like, I I don't know if I see myself doing this for a decade. I I didn't, you know, beside a couple guys that I worked with, like, I don't have friends in Philly. This place is freezing fucking cold. We're going to win six games. Like, this sucks. I don't make any money. Like, what am I doing with my life? I want to get home. And so I've I've defended Debo if that is truly his reason. I I listened to a little Jeff Darlington on with Rich Eisen. It just came up on our YouTube, like, homepage. So I clicked on it. And he basically alluded to with, like, I don't want to speak for him, but he knows, like, he doesn't want to be here. I think a lot of this is location based, and I, I I can relate to being homesick's the wrong like you don't want you I'm old I don't want to move back in with my parents it's just being a familiar place mm-hmm. I don't now it's a lot different people they're willing to pay them we think a lot of money but I don't know if this is something and like what Tim's alluding to like Debo's just going to pivot he might know? not and and the other part of this Jets gang on the stream says players get paid for endorsements investing you don't know how much deep money Debo has. Yeah, Debo might have invested in Tesla with all the money he got in 2019, for all I know. I, I don't know what he has. But I go back to Devontae a lot. Devontae Adams had $60 million that he'd made. So he had more leverage when it came to telling the Packers what he would and wouldn't do than a player who is, you know, three months away from conservatively $50 million, I would say. <laughs> I, I don't think Debo's getting less than $50 million in his next contract, Okay. And a signing bonus probably twenty five to thirty million dollars or something, right? And it's coming. It's coming this year. Like Debo Samuel is going to get fifty million dollars in the next three months from somebody. But he's, but he's literally going to get a direct deposit potentially of thirty million dollars from right? from somebody from the Niners, from the Dolphins, uh, from the Jets, from the Texans, from the I don't know, from someone. You it's coming. A sleeper team. It is coming, John. <laughs> you, maybe you don't think you don't think there's any chance he plays next season without a brand new contract? Well, I I think if he plays for. I shouldn't say no chance, right? Maybe he wants to not be a Niner bad enough that he realizes my leverage is I got to play this year. I got to wait it one more year. And then when it comes to the franchise tag, they'll trade me. They'll trade me in one more year. Which I think would be very, very risky if that scenario plays out because it's like, well, they would try to ride him still. And then does he give it his all? Is he all there? Not even just on game day, but just during, I, I could see 
this is where I think they're stressed. They can't hide it and why Kyle couldn't show because that's what they are already thinking of. Like they're already thinking of the locker room, his mindset. How do we, what do we do? This is a major problem, you know, until Debo either says I'm all in or they decide to trade him. And if they decide to trade him different than DeForest, that was purely a 49er decision. I, I won't blame them as much. I, I, I will acknowledge that they came to the decision this even if it is potentially fixable, it's not a guarantee, and we can't risk that. And I understand that. Like he and Debo would not have been the first, or and he won't be the last, to be involved in a situation of just the unknown is kind of scary. And then you factor in the money, and we who knows when he's going to sign or if he's even willing to take our cash, even if we're willing to pay him. But fuck it, let's just you have this golden opportunity in the draft if you get handed pick ten and pick thirty five or something. Part of it is what do you get out of it? So let's talk about that. I want to play you a couple things here, okay? This is Daniel Jeremiah, who you worked with, who we know, uh, your guy, uh, who you introduced me to years ago, and um, just a great guy, breaking down the draft. I mean, he watches everybody, right? He's going to be part of the draft coverage. He's Mayock. So this is his perspective. This is Daniel Jeremiah on his podcast, Move the Sticks with Bucky Brooks. And we're going to play a few things here. Let's react to him. So if the Jets end up getting rid of the 10th pick, they get Debo Samuel, the 49ers are on the clock at number 10. I've got my thought there. Maybe the Niners try to trade back. I, I have not made this comparison to Debo. I know others have. I've compared Traylon Burks to A.J. Brown, but I think it still fits in that offense where you could use Traylon Burks in a variety of ways. His mm-hmm. strength and toughness you know, kind of compliments Ayuk, you know, with kind of what they have going mm-hmm. there. I think he would be a fun player in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Okay, so there's the first part of it. So he's saying, he's not saying this is going to happen, but he's saying, I do think there's a player that makes sense, specifically a player that makes sense for the 49ers, and it's Traylon Burks. Now, would you draft him at 10? Uh, well, from I, I watched him, like most people have, just, you know, the highlights, he was a a star player in the SEC. He is a dynamic playmaker. And a little similar to Debo, he's not coming from Bama, Georgia, LSU, right? Like South Carolina, Arkansas, I would say, are in the similar tier. Would you agree with that? Like the lower tier of the top dogs? And he stood out. And he's put himself in position to be a first-round pick. People I've talked to think he's a fringe because... Fringe what? First-round pick. Because he's pretty, he's not like a route, he's just a playmaker. Like a little like Debo, kick returner, punt returner, has done it in his career. They handed the ball, and it wasn't totally his fault. The quarterback at Arkansas, I actually watched three or four Arkansas games last year. Now, granted, it was like against Georgia, against Alabama. Their quarterback sucked. So they just threw bombs to him, and he could do that. And he had 11 touchdowns. He had 12 touchdowns if you factor in the, he had one running, but he was. Eight yards to carry. One thing that he is different, Debo, he's 6'2", 220. Like, he's just a longer athlete yeah. than Debo, but I think he fits the same mold of, like, you could just move around. Now, the other thing, I don't think Debo, I don't remember exactly what his 40 time is, but I, I don't think he was viewed as, like, a 4'4 four, four flat guy coming out of college. I'd say it's safe to say he plays extremely fast. I think that's the same thing with Traylon Burks. He ran a 4'5", five, five, so people go, well, he's not like a Lave or a Ruggs. Well, yeah. You watch this guy play, it was rare that he got caught. You're running away on in the Alabama game, he ran away. I think Fucking for a playmaker. So if you're talking the Jets deal, which to me is the most intriguing by far, 10 and 35 or 38, 
I don't think you could take it 10, but could you take 35 or 38, whatever other pick you got with your 61 and come to like pick 22? Because I think a lot of teams are going to want like multiple picks in the second. Then all of a sudden I get pick some sweet top 10 player, right? A defensive lineman, a cornerback, Kyle Hamilton, the sweet safety from Notre Dame. What if I told you the 49ers got rid of Debo for Kyle Hamilton and Traylon Burks? Yeah. Now, Kyle Hamilton could go three to the Texans. I mean, I don't know. But he's but, not because he ran at his pro day. Kyle Hamilton ran like a 4.65. I've yeah. heard he's plummeting in the I know, draft. but Daniel Jeremiah, just he said it on this show, was thinks he's a Patriots guy, like thinks that Casario but, and well, Romeo would like him. Oh, you're saying, but but that pick 13, they're not, they're, they're not going to take a pick three. Yeah. No, I, I, I so you don't, the part of it is you don't think, the problem with a bad draft is hard to go back. So you couldn't get 10. Although Daniel said maybe they do that. Get 10, move back with 10. Maybe you could, right? Go from 10 to 16, get another pick, and then take your guy there. Yeah, I mean, ideally that's what you do. But if you couldn't do that, I have no problem taking someone else at 10. Whoever, you know, Kyle Hamilton, uh, whatever, a non-wide receiver, whoever right. you think is just sweet. One of these pass rushers. Hell, Jordan Davis. If you just say the 49ers got Jordan Davis and Traylon Burks. How about one of the Washington corners? Might be a little high for that too, but but no, but I've heard I, I talked to Trent a buddy. He's a good player. They people love McDuffie. Well, McDuffie, McDuffie ain't making a pass like twenty, so he's going in the team. The thing about McDuffie's five eleven, which whatever, super high character guy though, right? Extremely. I've talked to him on several occasions. Just I've actually I mean, heard all three corners. Sauce, which is an incredible name, even Stingley. People like. All three corners, because sometimes like are oh, these these can be questionable. You know, they're just me. They're kind of NBA ish. Yeah, people people love the character on the three guys. Yeah, Kyler. I don't know uh, Trent McDuffie. I can I can speak to having talked to him several times and no one around you. So you get McDuffie and you get Traylon Burks. Sure. All right. A little more on this. Here's what Bucky Brooks said about it. I can look at the way Brandon Ayuk was utilized at Arizona State. Yep. He's terrific with the ball in his hands. He has some toughness or whatever. Who is to say that Brandon Ayuk can't get the promotion to the Debo Samuel role and you bring another guy in to do something different? So if they make that trade and do it, I do believe that they can have a plan to elevate someone that is currently on their roster to utilize them in a way that they utilize Debo Samuel down the stretch. He's going to get better. He is going to be a better player than he's been. And he's clearly really, I mean, he, as he came on last year, like he's a legitimate to me, like number two in the league to say that he could replace Debo Samuel in the backfield seems a little extreme. If I was in a draft room and we were having this, I would be like, I I don't think that's plausible. Well, he's not built like him. First of all, right. Thinner. Okay, now the last part. This is the part that DJ really thinks sells Traylon Burks to the 49ers. Jason Williams, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Traylon Burks. Those are top, top six, whatever order people have mm-hmm. them, right? So if we always talk about the Niners and we say they are run after the catch obsessed, uh, receiving yards after the catch per reception. <laughs> you know who the number one guy is in yards after catch among all those guys? Burks! Uh-huh. Traylon Burks. There you go. Well, what would you say Kyle's huge on? Yak and actually blocking. <laughs> he likes this guy's to block. Yeah. And 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 um versatility. Yeah. This guy fits. But 
here's the overall point though why he was squ- you know squirming yesterday why Kyle probably hasn't been a bundle of joy the last week and a half in the office <laughs> you have that you literally have it with a guy who is happy I mean not talking right now but in general like he's a happy him, he's a plus in the locker room he smiles he's a positive multiplier and he literally can do it against fucking Aaron Donald and the Packers and the Eagles and the Bucks. Like he does it every week. No question about it. Just, no question in your mind. No projection. He says Trey, you're going to get Debo the ball right here six times a game, and it's going to turn a zero yard pass into a seven yard play. This is where historically I just think you've had like. Because I, if I was like on Parag's team, like a, from a money value standpoint, like let's just, guys, we should do it. The value, if, if we can get somehow get their second round next year, if we can get more than they were going to give for Tyree Kill. Because I saw someone in the chat said their deal to Tyree Kill, and it's true, 35, 38, and 69, which I saw Rap Sheet said both the two deals for Devontae and for Tyreek of what the Jet, all the deals that ended up getting consummated consume. Did I say that no, right? You said word? it right. Yeah, consummated, equaled around like 11 to 13 range, which is fine. But if you're the Niners, like, I just keep saying no. Nope, nope, nope. And eventually, hopefully, like, hey, you're the Jets. You're so desperate. I need 10, 38, and next year, even if I give in to next year's two. But I, I got to feel like I'm getting a shitload. But again, Kyle goes back, like, the value's great, and the cheap contracts are cool, and I'm, I'm – I got seven-year contract extension. I'm not going anywhere. But ultimately, I'm losing Debo Samuel, which is our season was dead. We were talking about Trey Lance starting because it was over. Then all of a sudden, number 19 carried us, not to the playoffs, to the NFC championship game, where we had a lead, 17-7, to or was it 14-7, to in the second half. We were leading in the NFC championship game, where I'm pretty sure he had scored in that game. So it's like, what are we talking about? I, I get from a coaching standpoint, like that's where eventually I draw the line of like the value. That's where Bill is just the ideal. Like he's just kind of morphed into one human. So it's like, it's always in his brain. We're at the end of the day. And I, I, I give Kyle a lot of credit. He is the coach of the team, right? More yeah. balancing the salary well, cap and worried about five years. Like he's trying to win 11 games next year, right? Yeah, you've you've been adamant about that point. Have you noticed in the NBA who's who's a terrible GM? LeBron, the players, the players <laughs> are bad GMs. Why? Because they want right now, this second. I need everybody that I need right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Right? Yeah, it's not how GMs are generally. They don't think that way. It's about four, three, two, three, four, five years. And these teams that are built this way are terrible. Or a mess. Well, because Kevin Kevin Durant and LeBron never would have waited on Jordan Poole, right? He was of a G League. And I don't a, did, a, didn't, a, didn't a you no call his G League game? <laughs> I mean, uh, no player. He wasn't in that game. No player would. John, you wouldn't. Nobody would. You're well, a player. The, That's the how games you next week. I need I'm help. playing in the game. Like I don't want to go lose. What am I <laughs> no, doing I all this work for? GM's like, you know, if we stretch out this build another three years, I can get another contract. GM's not in a rush. But the, but I think one thing you hear with John Lynch, and he's the the Amazon offer didn't come up, but he did allude to like we've been really close twice in basically yeah. three years. Yep. Like they, they they are they're thinking to me as they should be. 
they they know they got a chance with their core guys to try to win in the next couple years. Like I don't know if they're necessarily thinking like seven years, but they're probably thinking more than just 2022 because of Trey. But they're thinking 22 to like 25. Like their their gap right now is right now. Now you could argue that we've seen a lot of players come into the draft recently at skill positions and hit the ground running. But you also then like, okay, are we going to try to outthink and take McDuffie or Stingley at 10 and then try to work up? Well, what if like all of a sudden the Eagles take the guy at 15 and we don't get the guy that we wanted? Then now we're, we don't love the guy that we got. Now do we just take a center? You, so now we got Lindenbaum and McDuffie, <laughs> but we don't have a receiver. You that, could that say to Debo. It's, it's out of your control when you draft, right? The idea of moving back and moving back up for the guy you want is great, but the guy's got to be there. You, you could say to Debo, Debo, we can't. We, we're trying to win a championship this year. We we can't trade you right now. But you come back and play for us. You give us what you got, the Aaron Rodgers, and we'll trade you after next year. You do the Aaron Rodgers. If you're Debo, you don't. Yeah. Difference is Aaron give the ball twelve 30. times a game, and I'm like, yeah, Aaron is rich, and he got and he was making thirty six million. So he's like, listen, we'll figure it out. But I'm still getting two million dollars a game. So <laughs> Debo's like, oh yeah, because I make the Pro Bowl, I got a bump in my uh, my salary. It's still. 2.7. Thanks for the, the 50K. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that one, Parag. <laughs> yeah. So. It is. They're in a much like Seattle doesn't have to deal with this. Titans aren't dealing with this. Like they have contract situations they have to deal with with their player. Right. But their guy didn't ask for a trade. This. <laughs> yeah. And, and it clearly is like, listen to Darlington. This is not fake. Like th- this is. And honestly, not that anyone believes it is. John Lynch's body language said it all. Like, this isn't just, this is really real. Like, this is, time's ticking here. Like, I, you guys want to talk about fourth rounders? Uh, no, I don't blame him. Like, I, it was a very, very tough situation. Yeah. It, it was the most uncomfortable of all the, G- I, not that I watched everyone by any means, but it, it, I bet if we looked at like just pick five random teams, it's a pretty loosey goosey. Oh, yeah. What's up, guys? Well, yeah. even the Jags right now, right now, Trent Baalke got his job. He's the second lease on life, right? What does I he ha- have to be uncomfortable about? I actually saw two visuals. I didn't watch them, but it was Howie and Sirianni, and it was John Robinson and Vrabel. So a lot, some of them did do dual ones where the coach just joined them. Now, I, the GM ended up getting a lot of questions, but mm-hmm. I do you, do you think non- Debo Samuel, Kyle just goes with him. It's just an easy one. Or it's just an easy one to also avoid with Jimmy still on the team. I don't know. Last year, Kyle did just talk a couple weeks ago at the Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that we see Kyle. It wouldn't shock me, but Yeah, I mean maybe we would if everything was I but he wouldn't want to answer Jimmy questions though. No. If it, it was wasn't neat. Trey Lance questions, there'd be Jimmy questions. It was an easy one to avoid. How's Trey doing? So it's an easy one to skip, but uh, it's funny that you said you saw a report that there's three different people have three different picks in Jacksonville right now. Jacksonville has the number one pick. Well, I, the owner I, wants somebody. Balky wants somebody. Doug Peterson wants somebody. I saw Tony Pauline, who did the Jets, you know, work for yeah. Pro Football Talk. I, or called him, I said Pauline in a site. It's a, you're right. I think it is Pauline. So apologies. He, he had said that the buzz is that Balky wants the Georgia kid and the owner wants the uh, 
Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah. And and DJ added the Doug thing. DJ said that Doug Peterson wants the um the guard from I can uh, see Doug just going, yeah, State. give us an Icky. offensive guy. Doug is not like in their pound in the table. Like I I could really see bulky. The thing with the Trayvon Walker guy is he's viewed as like the highest upside and everyone keeps comparing. I was listening to Schrager talk with Peter King of like it, bulky passed on JJ Watt and JJ uh, Watt wasn't JJ Watt at the time, but I, I vividly remember in the NFL people were, sh- I was at the draft Alden who, what that was, you remember that was a crazy pick at the time. I do remember. I do. It was a ballsy, and let's face it, like he got it right. He the person fell apart, but he, yeah, yeah, he had a home run on the player. He doesn't get the you passed on JJ Watt scarlet letter. Well, wasn't I mean through three years, Alden Smith had an all time sack record, right? Yeah. So I I think he's just viewing it, and I don't disagree. I think in a draft that doesn't have a Bosa brother, a Miles Garrett, a Vaughn Miller, where you're just like, well, you don't pass on the can't miss, that it's like no one knows. There's no such thing as a high floor. Don't you just take the swing for the fences? If it's between the I two think defensive so. ends? I, I would not be obsessed with, I'm going to hit a double with this guard. Now, the only caveat would be... He, he plays t- he plays tackle, too, but they already have two tackles. They drafted a tackle last year, and then they didn't they tag a tackle or extend but, but a tackle? But I think DJ said in the podcast, or maybe the previous one, that you know some people Walker think that the Stanford guy struggled. Yeah. Um, so... But wasn't it, he a second-round pick? Yeah. Hurt. He was a hurt second. He was already coming off an injury. I don't know if he was still hurt when they drafted him, but you could argue we just drafted Trevor Lawrence. We've got to protect this guy. Just a guard. I don't care what people say about taking a guard at one. He's worth more to us. We can't trade back. So what are we going to do? It's pretty crazy. They went from the draft where everyone would have traded up with them last year to a draft that clearly nobody wants to trade up with them, right? Well, someone DM me yesterday, or I mean, I, I just was going through some DMs and answering them. And some guy asked me a question about, if there's not a Kyler Murray or a Trevor Lawrence in a draft, shouldn't you always trade back at number one? Well, I say, well, the only time anyone ever wants to trade up to number one is when that player is there. In a draft like this, nobody would trade. Like, it makes no, if you're the Lions, you would just be like, why would I trade you a third round pick to move up one spot? I'll just take whoever you don't take. And who knows? Maybe I feel that if you take the guy that I think you're going to take, I'm going to get the, my number one guy. So it there the only time there's ever a trade up to number one is quarterbacks, or if there was like Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa, let's say they were in this draft, but then the Jags would one hundred percent just take yeah. the player. It doesn't it happens less with pass right. It it's when you it happens with redundant needs. When I have a quarterback already and the quarterback is the number one pick, right? Well, if I told you that like CJ, if Trey Lance was in this draft, yeah, or CJ Stroud would, was in this draft, yeah. the Jags would trade out of the pick, right? Right. And they would trade and it might just be as simple as like they trade to pick two so they could still get the pass rusher they want for two twos, right? Be like, well, listen, I don't That'd be tricky, actually, because you'd be like, well, I guess it'd be an interesting year if the player they want is the ninth best player in the draft, right? If the player they want is icky. Well, they do draft a lot, number one overall, oh, so who, they could easily just be there again next year. So we could see it with all the quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Somebody on, um, on the stream is reporting something. And before I read it, I'm going to search it. I think you got to be very, very careful with those uh, streamer comments. Uh, Well, here it is. Breaking news. No. Debo Samuel's been traded. No. 
But let's talk about this real quick. Let me throw this up here. Jock Peterson has been fined for calling the fan a fucking pussy. <laughs> what? I mean, an all-time, to me, getting heckled in a basketball game and then you hit a shot in front of the fan always looks like it feels fantastic. You turn around, you say something in his face, but you're going to hit 12 other shots in that game. Yeah. Hitting a home run after you stepped out and looked at the guy? Well, the guy in on the on the Brewers broadcast, it was the guy was screaming at him. Like if you're if you're a fan, if me and you were at the game and we were sitting remotely close, we'd be like, "Shut up, this clown!" You know, right? Even if I'm a Brewers fan, it's like, can you just relax a little bit, buddy? <laughs> I mean, can you just shut up? And then it turns out the Brewers announcer is like, "God, this guy's been killing us for seven years." <laughs> Bam! And he didn't just hit a home run; Bomb. he hit he absolutely shit on it. And then the can when the mic got him saying fucking pussy to the guy, it's just it doesn't get any better. No, it does not get any better. Good for that guy, man. Good for Jock. Jock and Devante pissing off the whole state of Wisconsin. All right, John. Tony Pauline uh just tweeted this. Rumors in the league are heating up that Debo Samuel could be on the move. We'll have more tonight with Wing Oz. I, I do believe. And maybe the Jets, let's just say the Jets or the Texans, because you got to get a really high pick. Wouldn't it behoove you to just say, I, I can't do the trade till the night of the draft? And then they might say back, well, what if the guy we want's there and then the trade's off the table? I can give it to you now and it's concrete or else we risk like this trade could fall apart draft night. So do you do it now? Because I, I, I would struggle to do it before Thursday night when they're on the clock. Well, what, what you could say to the Jets is if you would rather just draft Chris Olave than draft Chris Olave, I'd rather have Debo Samuel. Yeah. Or if you want to force my hand, I'm not comfortable with doing it now. You you got to overpay. When you, you see the uh, housing market in the Bay Area? So well, that's what the Niners did last year. Yeah, now, they did it much earlier, but they overpaid to do the Trey Lance deal early, right? So you want them right now, I need a massive overpay. I, I'm To me... I don't think, like, if it's announced before the draft that Debo Samuel has been traded for, let's just pick 10 and 38, I think people would be like, that's not enough. If, if you're a 49er fan, this is, if if you're a 35-year-old 49er fan, you've seen Frank Gores, you know, Vernon Davis's, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, like, that's as good as it gets. Everyone acknowledge hell, non-49er fans, like, that's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. And you're just getting them just for the value? Like, I, I just don't. And I get the other guys got traded. I understand, but well, yeah, that's what I would say to every person that says that they offered two twos and a three for Tyreek. Okay, would you take two twos and a three for Debo Samuel? What did what did what did Veach tell them? No, right? Yeah, well, uh, Tyreek kind of said no too. I think right, Tyreek, you had to Tyreek would have had to agree to the deal because he was going to sign an extension. He'd rather go to Miami. True. So that was I think Tyreek kind of chose. You're right. And I bet when you do the value, it's probably not that much different, right? Because the Chiefs ultimately got twenty nine and a pick later. But every market for every every market's different. Sometimes you, like you said, sometimes you pay more for something that's in theory less. But, but if I, if, the Chiefs if, were not keeping Tyreek Hill, but if Devontae Adams was not returning to the Packers, but if you were a Chiefs fan, if if you and me, we lived in Kansas City, we're just diehard Chiefs fan. We're just like fucking. I love Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. All of a sudden, you text me. You're like, oh my God, Tyreek has just been traded to the Jets. Because Tyreek trade did kind of come out of, I guess it kind of got reported on like 12 hours earlier, but it, yeah. it happened fast. If I said you got traded for 35, 38, and 69, my first response would be like, are you shitting me? 
They got him for two second round picks and pick 69. Like you, people would have been pissed. At least Veach can say, now it's not great. It's the Niners pick. We got a he, first rounder, first rounder. It's a pretty shitty first rounder. But like you could argue that's not much. I honestly think the the Packers got fleeced. At least Veach says we got multiple fourth rounders too, which I always don't value as much, but whatever. I mean, the, I thought the Packers got fleeced. The, Veach got more, and I think there might be a little bit more. Like ultimately, I think Tyreek, you know, is he an all-in guy right now? Devontae's character never had an issue. People loved him. Like Tyreek has battled some stuff off the field with, I don't know, domestic violence. So you could argue he has got some red flags, but his play on the field, like I, I can't, I struggle to trade these guys. Like, oh yeah, just give me a couple seconds. What if? Oh, because it adds up to to three sixty eight. I don't even care. Like if if I told you that the Niners got thirty eight, thirty five, and sixty nine, you had to bet five thousand dollars. You had to put it on a number. Week one is one guy starting, two guys starting. Or three guys starting. What number would you put it on? You had to put would, it on one. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on three. Would you feel comfortable putting it on two? Week one. No. I mean, if you told me week one and one of them's a receiver, you told me Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings. A couple running backs and Kittle around there. Kittle, yeah. I mean, that's he just got He just gets seven snaps. Yeah. We're not, well, but if I told one, you I'd he averaged seven snaps in September, like that'd be believable, right? It's like a slow build for this kid to figure it out. Yeah. I I, I, I think, think people part, would freak if that's the deal. Part of what makes it different than those other two deals is that D, now maybe Devontae, maybe Debo's convinced the Niners that he is like Devontae. If he convinces the Niners that he's like Devontae, then the Niners are in a tough spot. He's not, he's deaf. We believe him under no circumstances is he showing up. We don't want to deal with this. Now, you if that's what you think. But if you're willing to if you're willing to go to the mat and try and dare him to show up and believe that once we get him in here, and I think that's part of Lynch, is he believes once we get him back in here, our culture, right? Now maybe they've been spooked and he's convinced them that they should stop believing that. But I think that's part of them believing in why they can keep him around is they believe that their locker room and their culture and what we've got here and Kyle's relationship with Debo. Part it's hard sometimes to accept the divorce when you when you're blindsided versus when you've been hearing the couple's been having trouble for three years and the Niners are blindsided right now. Yeah. Or you, or maybe they were blindsided two weeks ago, but whenever it happened, they're like, wait a second. I Kyle Debo, before we practice, we would hang out and talk about Debo's kid. What the hell? Well, there's a big difference in a divorce. When your buddy tells you, man, she's been sleeping with Billy for the last six months. I found that out to when like, yeah, we haven't, you know, we don't even talk. We haven't eaten dinner together in six yeah. months. We yeah. sleep in separate rooms. Like, we don't even like each other. Can't wait to get divorced. Which I think happens sometimes, right? Yeah. In player trades. This does feel blindsided a little it's bit. It's a one-way divorce. <laughs> yeah. If he, if, he, if he does pull it off, I will give him credit. He spooked him pretty good, right? If he's traded, he's there's only one way to get traded, and you have to go scorched earth and convince them that it, you're never coming back from it. So if he's traded in the next 48 hours or the on draft night, he has convinced them that it ain't it's over. Yeah, or, Which or means, it, it ain't worth it to try to f- get me back on board because I don't have the energy to fake it. Yeah, even if you have doubts, you can't show them doubts. Even if Mike, you think 
My guess as of right now, they would not do the trade till Thursday. Because what, what I don't think you'd do this in the next couple of days. I, I wouldn't do it. I honestly well, think about it. If you're the Jets that. and you say 10 and 35 exploding offer, and then I say, we're not going to do it today. Do you, if you would have done it today, you'd still do it Thursday. Yeah. Right. For sure. If Joe Lacob said exploding offer Warriors and they didn't take his offer, would he have still bought the Warriors two days later for the same price? Yes. And in fairness, we're responding to a guy that I don't know if is, yeah. No, no, but, but just the idea, the idea of leverage when it comes to exploding offers, right? You explode offer on a house, you explode offer for the Warriors, which is what Joe Lacob did. Uh, uh, Ethan Strauss wrote about it in his book. He, he said, this is the offer. You got to take it now. And the offer got accepted. But he would have paid that same price three days later. Yeah. He would have. He wanted the asset. They want Debo. They want Debo more than the Niners want to give him away. Well, to me, for 10 and 35, it does not behoove you to do it today or the next day. If they go, if they were to say this, we'll give you 10, 35, and next year's one, then I might do it today. If you're willing to trade them. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are but a lot of part of like they have to con- you have to make them willing. All right. See where this goes. Thirsty Thursday. That'll be uh, the trade market. Uh, I hope it doesn't, you know, what's today's Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, I don't want it to, it's weird. There's a, I don't want it to happen because I love watching Tebow Samuel, but for the moment of draft night, I'm cool with it for that moment, you know. I, I, I do think after the moment ended, though, and we get to OTAs, and then it's like, well, it's like trailing, a lot going on. You yeah, know, trailing, just... Bur- trailing Burks, little little hamstring. <laughs> they expect him. He'll be full go next week. You know, he, he said that the playbook at Arkansas was a little more basic than what Kyle's throwing at him. It's a lot going on. You know, McDuffie's getting worked by Ayuk every day in practice. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> Ayuk's back in the doghouse. <laughs> All right, question. Thank you. If we trade Debo to the Jets for 1035 and 38, then move back to 16, get Zion Johnson, then trade 38 and 61. This guy is to get to 25. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I guess the question is, do you like all that? That's a lot of maneuvering. Yeah. I don't know enough about these two guys to to be completely candid. I don't know who either one is. Do you? Uh, boy, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Mafe? Wide receiver. He's a planner. <laughs> From Minnesota, I haven't. I haven't yeah. seen him play. Pass rusher, 6'4", 261. I mean, I'm, I, is he that high on a lot of draft boards? 25? I, I guess I've heard the name, but I don't know much about him. But again, they're going to be like they're going to be guys drafted early on this draft where you're just yeah. Like, I, I just Mafe on the board though. I'm not seeing him in the top. I'm seeing him in the second round on a lot of on just a couple of quick draft boards here. I would probably take the approach if I got 10, 35, and 38. I would think about using all the picks and just trying to take as many swings as possible. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I know, yeah, a lot of people like Jaquan Brisker, who the Niners worked out, the safety from Penn State. Yeah, but he's like a later second-round pick, I think, third-round pick. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be opposed if they got 10 to take Stingley, take McDuffie, or even 13, take Kyle Hamilton, you know, take a player like that, and then use my 61 with the pick from the Jets in the 30s to move up and get Traylon, Burks, or, you know, Falave, whoever you loved. And I, Kyle's earned the right now with wide receivers. And Pettis, rough start. They've battled back. I was thinking about that today, actually. <laughs> but see, you forget about it quick once you start na- – uh, Steelers haven't hit on every wide receiver, but they've hit on 90% of them that even the scrubs you don't even know about – so I, I would go other position there unless they wanted Garrett Wilson or you know Jamison Williams, which do you see? Rap sheet retweeted Jamison Williams' agent, and he was out running around. It's like God, he's, I saw that these guys are freaks. Yeah, didn't he get hurt like two months ago? I saw that. Yeah, I guess it would have been the national championship game would have been like January eighth or something, right? So he's he's three and a half months out. It's it not would as crazy. It would feel, it would definitely not feel good in the moment to take Zion Johnson with one of those picks. I think it'd be hard. He's a guard. Would you? I'd have a hard time taking a guard at thirty-five or thirty-eight. I would not feel good about it. Well, they just did that kind of last year, and the guy was on the scout team, and it was like, oh, he's well, you know, he's just. This huge upside guy, like Ali Marpet from Cal Poly. Okay, fucking came from Notre Dame. That I think part of the thing that rattled everyone last year was like, this guy came from Notre Dame. I think that's why Leatherwood is like, well, this guy came from Alabama. When you have a guy from like an elite program and then he struggles, you're like, well, I, I, I get if he's from Fresno State and there's like a learning curve or even like a, a smaller program, right? Like Texas Tech or whatever. It's going to take some time. This guy's at Notre Dame for Brian Kelly. <laughs> like, this, aren't guards at Notre Dame? Shouldn't they be plug and play? Like, we can bitch and moan about McGlinchey's talent all we want. 
he was just a plug and play starter. Like, I like plug and play offensive linemen, honestly, in every round. That's unless you're like your your team's already like full and the guy's gonna be a backup. But if you're drafting the guy to be a starter, which the Niners drafted that guy to start, and he couldn't do it, which happens. Like they're not alone, but that that'll rattle you a little. <laughs> That was not good. No. And the guard play was now they don't have a choice. Like, so if you draft a guard, you're basically saying, like, are you that convinced with Aaron Banks? Because ideally you would be like, well, at least we got one. Brunskill can play them all. We're good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, well, you're just gonna now, have both guys. The one thing would be if I was gonna if they love Zion Johnson, let's say. Because I, I found the clip today of us talking a month ago. Because it's become pretty clear that, or a lot of people seem to now agree that the Alex Mack situation is a replay of the Joe Staley situation. And we talked about this. You can go watch the tape on March 29th. I said they got screwed last year in the second round because everyone knew they wanted Liam Eikenberg. And the Dolphins jumped over him, took Eikenberg. The Niners then traded back with the Raiders and took Jalen Moore. Who actually might be an okay player. So they can't let everyone know. And they're uh, not. I mean, I, I you know, it's. Well, but I'm just saying that when it comes to the center, the Alex Mack situation, I think they would have liked for it to stay quiet for, you know, for people just to believe that Alex Mack was coming back until the 49ers. My, my, pu- my pushback would be to any of the guys that wanted to keep it quiet internally on the Niners. Like the rest of the league watches film, especially the good teams. Like Alex Max, thirty-seven years old. Yeah, no, I get old. it. And you made that point last month, and it was a good point then, and it's a good point now. Like if you well, and I were running the Niners, we wouldn't be like, "Well, we got Alex Max for the next six I, years." I said Jalen Moore. I meant Aaron Banks. They traded back the Eichenberg and took Aaron Banks. Yeah, My but they ended was, up getting Jalen. You know, they got yeah, Jalen Moore up, later, yeah. who actually played. You know, so to me, the I, I just think Eichenberg was viewed. I, I don't think Aaron Banks. I, for at least talk, again, I'm not breaking down the film on all these offensive linemen. I, I think Aaron Banks was viewed as a kind of a, a reach, and they were forced to do that. You, you're saying once they I'm got saying there's not like if they love Zion Johnson, then that's different than what happened last year with Aaron Banks potentially. That's my point. But this gets back to just the draft in general. They yeah. loved McGlinchey. Like there's no just because you love a guy does not mean he's going to turn out to be Debo or True. Bosa. You know, so it's just. The, I, if we went around right now to every GM, they'd have four or five players they love. And if we just put all their names on a board, 50% of them are going to be underachievers. And underachiever might be the wrong word. Just not live up to being as good as these guys that do this for a living and have spent all this time are going to be. And that's the yeah. hard part about this whole thing. David Hasselhoff, what's Debo's leverage other than crying on IG? Saying I won't sign your contract? Yeah, his leverage is convincing them that the Debo Samuel they knew and loved is gone. And when they look in his eyes again, they won't see love and affection and joy. They'll see anger and divorce. That's his leverage is convincing that he, in fact, it, it does. It is good for him to meet with them. If he can sell them that I'm, I don't want to talk to you again. What don't Mike call, McDaniel told me about, don't call me. Don't call me. What Mike McDaniel told me, I know everything, Kyle. I know everything. That's where you got to go scorched urch. Or, 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 cool. Hard to say. Yep. 
All right. We'll be here. Hell of a day. Later. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.